Well, I am not Susie Jones, but a good Sunday morning to you nonetheless. My name is Adam Carter. I'm filling in for Susie today. Happy to do so because happy to be part of this program, which has been part of CCO for a very long time, Hennepin Healthcare, Healthy Matters, when we welcome in Dr. David Hilden, who I've chatted with many times on the WCCO Morning Show. Good Sunday morning, Dr. Hilden. How are you doing today? Hey, Adam. Good morning to you, too. Thanks for uh, getting up with us on a Sunday morning. You know, I'm used to talking to you during the week. That's but, right. Uh, you're, you're versatile. Big shoes to fill with Susie Jones. I'm Liter- telling you, Su- yeah. Susie's, yeah, does she literally have literally. big shoes? She's got four, size 14 feet. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> no, Susie does a great job. And I know we're going to be talking about sinusitis today, and we'll get to that because you've got a great guest. But I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about uh, COVID right now, if we can, Dr. Hilton. Um, I see the headline in the paper today. Begging for beds in Star Tribune, uh, that's the headline. And I, I was just curious as to, we've talked about capacity and how that's uh, been dealing with the, the wave of COVID. How is it at Hennepin Healthcare right now? Are, are, are beds available? Uh, are we still seeing an influx of patients? It's exactly the problem we've got going on right now, Adam. I, I've been at the receiving end of that headline uh, in the Star Tribune. And I've been the one being begged for beds because there it is true that especially in greater Minnesota and in rural communities, beds are tight. I think I'm not positive about this statistic, but I'm pretty sure that more cases are in rural Minnesota now than in the metro area for the first time. And so really wonderful hospitals but are, are out there with no beds. And the doctors are great. The nurses are great. The staff is great. But they're smaller and they don't have the the capacity to deal with COVID and, and other traumas to the degree that the bigger hospitals do. So we get calls all day long from from rather um, pleading uh, of a pleading nature from from other providers outside outside of the Twin Cities asking for beds, and we're having to say no quite a bit. It's quite a phenomenon. And it, it's it's not only it's COVID patients, but it's also people right who've maybe over the last year, eighteen months have held off on getting procedures done and things like that, right? Just because was, there was that initial fear. So that's adding to kind of the influx, isn't it? That's exactly right. It's not just COVID. In fact, there it's at our hospitals, in the Twin Cities hospitals, the COVID patients are the minority of the patients in the hospital. There's, there's still some. There's way more than there ought to be because COVID's essentially preventable. But, but, but there are people with their heart attacks, their diabetes, their wounds that are getting out of hand that haven't been seen lately. And that's what's filling up hospitals and, of course, the trauma season. So it is really a situation in, in all over the country, but really in Minnesota right now, a situation that people ought to be aware of. So we're asking people just stay safe out there. And whatever you do, get your COVID vaccine yeah. so, you don't, so you're not part of, uh, having, to, having to be part of that problem. And on that topic, just briefly, and then we'll, we'll get to the guests, but we we had a big rally at the Capitol yesterday, people saying, you know, uh, you can't make me get it. This is my choice. I mean, I can see that uh, attitude. I, you know, I, I don't want the government telling me what to do. But explain, Dr. Hilton, why this is a different case when it comes to a, a public health emergency. Right. You know, the, the freedom argument doesn't really work for me so much because, you know, you have the freedom to do on all kinds of things in our society. You have the freedom to get drunk if you want. But you don't have the freedom to go drive afterwards. And, you know, you have the freedom to smoke a cigarette, but you don't have the freedom to do it in an airplane or in an enclosed restaurant because your freedoms uh, do have a flip side to it, in my opinion. It has a responsibility. And living in a community and living in a, in a communal society with other people, 
you do you do have some responsibilities to others. You can't do whatever you want. And the thing with the vaccine is that you are you're protecting yourself. Yes. And with the masks, you're protecting yourself, but you're also protecting others. And you going out unmasked and unvaccinated and just you're spewing a disease to other people who are defenseless against you. And so your freedoms do have some limitations. Whether or not you believe governments ought to mandate it, that's a personal um, dis- uh, uh, opinion that everybody can have. But there's no doubt that the measures we're taking are to protect others. All right. Well, the topic of today is sinusitis, and uh, we all have problems seeming at this time of year with sneezing and things like that, and allergies uh, also play into that. But it's a it's a topic I think a lot of people want to know about. And Dr. Hilton, I know you uh, you have a guest today, uh, Megan I McCoy. Do. So uh, let's uh, let's get on topic. I guess. Well, what are we talking about today? All right. I indeed have one of my very good friends from the hospital and an exceptionally good provider for people, Megan McCoy. She is an ENT, ear, nose, throat provider. She is, um, she's from, not from Minnesota, and I'm going to have her tell you where she's from, but she, you know, she did her, uh, uh, her college down in Florida. She got her bachelor's degree at the University of Miami. Then she came up and, uh, and did, um, became a physician assistant in New York, and now she is at the ENT clinic at Hennepin Healthcare with me. Importantly, she is also the director of our APP Professional Center, and an APP is an advanced practice provider. So I'm going to have her tell us about that. Megan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Dr. Hilden. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here. Um, thanks for that intro. Uh, yeah, so I am the director of APPs in addition to my clinical duties in the ENT department. And APP is sort of an umbrella term. Uh, and at Hennepin, we have about 315 APPs that fall under distinct categories, and that includes physician assistants like myself. It also includes about 315 APPs that fall under distinct categories, and that includes physician assistants like myself. It also includes nurse practitioners, nurse midwives, nurse anesthetists, chiropractors, acupuncturists, clinical nurse specialists, optometrists, and dental therapists. So quite a large group of providers and and probably people that uh, you all have seen. Yeah, exactly. Um, three hundred. We have over three hundred people in the advanced mm-hmm. practice group that that Megan just said. So you do ENT. How'd you get into mm-hmm. ENT, Megan? Well, I like to tell people that ENT got into me. To be honest, um, when I was a student, so you had mentioned I did my training in New York. That's where I'm from originally. And um, I happened to be in a relationship uh, with a man who I'm still in a relationship with almost 20 years later. And he was at the University of Illinois getting his PhD. And so I had done a few of my clinical rotations uh, in Illinois just to be close to him. And on one of those rotations, uh, it wasn't an ENT rotation. It was actually a spine rotation. But the spine surgeon and the ENT surgeon were good buddies. And my spine surgeon was going out of town for a week during my rotation and said, hey, why don't you shadow and ENT. So I did for a week, loved it, uh, which I didn't think I would because it's all earwax and boogers, but I did. And uh, the ENT surgeon at the end of the week said, hey, we want to hire a PA. When are you done with school? And it happened to be a few months later. And I said, yes, because I needed a job. And who would have said no? Uh, Luckily for me, it ended up being something that I love to do. I spent five years at that practice and only left because Um, that same gentleman got a job at the University of Minnesota. And so we moved to Minneapolis, and I I found the ENT department at Hennepin Healthcare. And fortunately enough, they were looking to hire a PA. And 12 years later, I'm still doing ENT. 
So we got you at Hennepin out of out of a relationship with with your husband. <laughs> and you're right, ENT yeah. is ENT is a little bit of uh, uh, for everybody listening on your sun, on your Sunday morning. It is a lot of earwax and and nose drippage and stuff. So I always wondered yep. who goes into that. And now that I know you, Megan, it makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, People uh, you get know, embarrassed when I'm, you know, cleaning out their nose or cleaning out their ears, and I have to remind them I do this for a living. I've chosen to do this. Trust me, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, well, that, we're, we're we're gonna. Um, I'm glad somebody does. We're going to talk about sinuses today. I think we might have to take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about sinuses. What's going on in those holes in your head? Why do you have them? And what can go wrong? We're talking to Megan McCoy from our ENT clinic. Here on Healthy Matters. All right, Dr. Hilton, thanks so much. And you can be part of the conversation listening on this Sunday morning. Don't forget our phone line and text line is 651-461-9226. We'll get to your uh, text throughout the program. It's Hennepin Health, uh, Hennepin Healthcare, Healthy Matters with Dr. David Hilton. We're talking sinusitis today, 718 on WCCO. 720 on a Sunday morning. Good morning. Hennepin Healthcare's Healthy Matters with Dr. David Hilton. He's got a guest today, Dr. Megan McCoy. And I'll turn it back over to Dr. Hilton and Dr. McCoy so they can keep talking about sinusitis and sinus problems. A pleasant uh, Sunday morning conversation, Dr. Hilton. It really is, Adam. Thanks so much. So, Megan, tell us about sinusitis. First of all, what are your sinuses? What are they for? And why do, why does everybody have such problems with them? Yeah, sure. So great question to start with. Uh, We have four sets of sinuses in our skull, uh, and they actually have four functions. So the first uh, major one is that they resonate the head and the chambers for our voice so that we don't sound like this all the time, right? And so that's the main (laughs) one. Uh, They also act as shock absorbers to protect our brain from trauma because they sit right around our brain, sort of in front and underneath. Uh, so that if you have any trauma, as we see a lot of at Hennepin, uh, you will potentially break a sinus instead of um, transferring that trauma to your brain. Uh, importantly, they moisturize and humidify the air. And you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that here as we talk more about sinusitis, because that's one of the major problems that causes sinusitis. Um, and they lighten our skull so that we don't walk around with, you know, 25-pound bowling balls on our shoulders. So that's really the four main functions uh, of the sinuses. And the sinuses are basically air-filled cavities, uh, which are lined with mucus, uh, which is normal. We're supposed to have mucus in our nose and in our sinuses for a number of reasons. Um, But mainly what what that mucus does is it catches bacteria and then sort of flushes it out. So it's kind of like... um, you know, like a regulatory system in order to prevent us from getting sick. The problem uh, is that in order to have normal sinus drainage, the holes of your sinuses that drain into your nose have to be open. That mucus lining has to be functioning properly, meaning it has to move mucus out instead of letting it sit there. And your mucus has to be thin enough to come out. So there are a number of reasons to have mucus that's thicker than normal, and that's one of the main reasons why people get sinusitis. So, so you said that there, you know, there are holes in your head, and so how, mm-hmm. where are they? You know, I think of holes in your head and you know in your skull. Where are they? Yep. So you have the frontal sinuses, which are in your forehead. 
You have the ethmoid sinuses, which are between your eyes. You should see me right now. I'm literally pointing at my face. Uh, you have your maxillary sinuses, which are in your cheeks. And you have your sphenoid sinuses, which are in the very, very, very back of your nose. So these things get plugged up. What can people do? And, and, and a lot of people think that it's always an infection. And so they have to get right. antibiotics. I have a sinus infection, so I need antibiotics. So kind of set us straight on what, what people ought to do when they have plugged up sinuses. Yeah, so everybody uh, at some point in their life gets sinusitis. And sinusitis is, is basically just a term that means inflammation of the sinuses most likely with an infection. But an infection doesn't necessarily mean bacterial. Uh, in fact, the vast majority of sinus infections are viral. More than 90% of sinus infections are viral. And if you didn't know anything about viruses before COVID, you sure do now. Uh, and you know that we don't treat viruses with antibiotics. So uh, there are statistics out there on sinusitis. And because we know that most of them are viral, um, about 50% of cases of sinusitis get better within one week without any antibiotics. So at least wait seven days if you feel like you have a sinus infection before doing a whole lot. Uh, there are things that you can do that are over-the-counter and not antibiotics, which we'll talk about, but I would at least wait a week. And then up to 70% of sinus infections get better within two weeks without antibiotics. So if you can hold out for even longer, I would definitely do that in order to avoid antibiotics. At the two-week mark, if you're still having symptoms, it's probably bacterial. And at that point, then I think probably antibiotics is a good idea. And we usually do about a 10-day course. If this is something that happens to you frequently and you end up in an ENT office, most likely you're going to get like two to three weeks of antibiotics to really knock it down. Uh, but for your average sinus infection, I, I would say give it at least seven to 10 days to get better on its own before you start uh, bringing in the big guns. What about allergies? Are, are, are you know people? A lot of people suffer allergies. How do they know if this is their usual hay fever acting up versus something that they should come see you in a ear, nose, throat clinic? Great question. I'm so glad you asked that. So a sinus infection means that you are sick. A lot of times you'll have a fever. You won't feel good, and you can think about it. Those times that you've probably had it, where your whole face just feels like an elephant is sitting on it because you have so much pressure in your sinuses. You can't breathe. You're blowing green and yellow and fluorescent colors from your nose. You can't get off the couch. You're fatigued. You're sick when you have a sinus infection. You're sick. Whereas with allergies, you can kind of still function like, yes, they're annoying. I'm sneezing all the time. I have this constant itch inside of my nose. Uh, I have this, like, watery, drippy nose. My eyes are itchy. Uh, and I know that this always happens to me every spring. That's allergies, which can be treated uh, a little bit differently. And there is some overlap, which makes it tough. But generally, with allergies, you're not sick. Um, that's a good certainly distinction. Certainly, antibiotics can be the way to treat allergies. Yeah, that's a really good distinction. Adam, I think we might have some uh, listeners um, on the text line yes. with lots of questions about sinuses. Could we go to some of those? Absolutely. Uh, lots of people. And again, if you want to text and join the conversation, 651 461 9226. Here's a question. 62 years old. I've, as I've aged, I find I had to blow, I have to blow my nose five to six times mm -hmm. as my sinuses start running. I heard as you sleep, everything settles. And when you get up, things start running. Is that correct? Yes, that is a great uh, question and something that's increasingly frequent as we get older. So 
Um, I see a lot of patients, I would say over the age of 55, 60, who suffer from something called vasomotor rhinitis, which is basically a runny nose of old age. We don't necessarily understand the physiology behind this, why this happens. They typically don't respond to our normal allergy medications like antihistamines or nasal steroid sprays. There is a specific type of nasal spray um, that I will often prescribe for these people. It doesn't work 100% of time, but it does work fairly uh, well on a lot of people, and it just kind of dries up the nose. And so it's a really frustrating problem to have. You know, I have people tell me I can't go anywhere without tissues. I've got tissues in my purse and stuffed up my sleeve, and my nose just constantly runs. tends to be worse when they eat. Uh, that's pretty uh, consistent with vasomotor rhinitis. Not really a sinus problem, just more of like a mucus problem with drippy nose. Um, again, not a whole lot to do, but this nasal spray can help. I would see an ENT because they we can prescribe that for you and we can see if it, you get any better. Here's a follow-up to that. Uh, somebody asks, uh, I'm, I wake up with plug sinuses. I've tried fluticasone or oxy, mm-hmm. uh, oxymetazolone. Close? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Oxymetolazone. <laughs> Thank you. Can one uh, use too much of that stuff, though? That was the question. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for asking. So uh, fluticasone is Flonase uh, is the brand name. It's over the counter. Love Flonase. Great to use. I wouldn't use it more than twice a day. It's safe to use every day. And in fact, with Flonase, you have to use it every day because it needs to reach a certain threshold in your nose in order to start working. What it does, it's a steroid spray. And what it does is it basically shrinks the structures inside of the nose and and um, minimizes the lining so that you can breathe a little bit better. Um, it's not addictive in any way. It's safe to use every day. I encourage people to use it every day. It can actually take two months to really notice any effects from Flonase. The problem with using it more than twice a day is that you might get some nosebleeds. And so just be really careful. If you're using Flonase, I always tell people aim it out towards your ears that way you're not hitting the septum or that cartilage that divides your nose in half because that's where all of the blood vessels are, and hopefully you'll avoid a nosebleed that way. Uh, regarding the oxymetolazine, that's, uh, the brand name for that is Afrin, and that is a big no-no on the regular use. That's the nasal spray that people get addicted to. And the problem with Afrin is that it causes rebound congestion. What I mean by that is you use Afrin, and we've all probably used it, and it works great. Like within five minutes, you're like, oh, I can finally breathe. This stuff is a miracle. But as it wears off 12 hours later, the congestion comes back and the inflammation is actually worse than it was initially. So all of a sudden, so you say, oh, okay, I'll use more. The congestion comes back and the inflammation is actually worse than it was initially. So all of a sudden, so you say, oh, okay, I'll use more Afrin. And then that happens again. And all of a sudden now we're sort of incrementally increasing the amount of inflammation in our nose as we use it more and more and more. And over time, that will actually start to damage the inside of your nose so that you no longer can breathe even with using the Afrin. So I like Afrin for those really critical times when you're super sick, you have a sinus infection, and you just can't sleep at night because you can't breathe. Go ahead and use the Afrin. It's safe to use for three days. After three days, no more Afrin. All right. Don't get hooked on the Afrin. Let's, we got a lot of texts coming in. Let's take a break right now. 730. It's a Healthy Matters with Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Uh, Megan McCoy is with Dr. David Hilton. I'm Adam Carter in for Susie Jones. A break. We'll take more of your texts. 651-461-9226 after this break. 
Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning on WCCO Radio with Dr. David Hilden and Dr. Megan McCoy, ear, nose, and throat at Tennepin Healthcare. Lots of questions coming in on our text line again, 651-461-9226. Dr. Hilden, uh, should we keep taking those questions or what do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. I am speaking with Megan McCoy from our ENT clinic. She is the director of our advanced practice provider. And and although you're calling her Dr. McCoy, she's a physician assistant. At, uh, and so she uh, is um, one of our over 300 um, uh, advanced practice providers at Hennepin who work side by side with your doctors, nurses, and other professionals um, to get you your care. And if you are going to um, whatever clinic you go to, whatever specialty you go to, chances are you might be seeing a, a PA like Megan. She is an expert in ear, nose, and throat, and she is helping us out today talking about your sinuses. And before we get into uh, our texts, um, uh, Megan, because there's a lot of listener interest in this topic, I want you to talk about what the heck is a neti pot and should I be using one? Yeah. Oh, my favorite thing is the neti pot. Uh, I am happy to talk about that. Uh, so there's really two types of devices uh, that exist in order to rinse out your sinuses. Uh, the neti pot is basically, uh, looks like a teapot actually, um, and uses sort of gravity in order to rinse out the sinuses. And then there's a squeeze bottle, which is more of an irrigation where you use the pressure of your hand in order to rinse out your sinuses. Both are phenomenal. Both are great. Both work really well. And in fact, they've done studies on these sinus rinses. Uh, and it shows that it can decrease the duration of a sinus infection by over two days. So I recommend sinus, or neti pots, sinus irrigations to all of my patients, uh, whether it's a sinus problem, whether it's an allergy problem. It's just really good nasal hygiene. I use it myself. Uh, you know, the first sign I feel something coming on, I grab my sinus irrigation, I use the squeeze bottle, and I start doing it once or twice a day. And it, what it does is it basically just rinses out your sinuses, and there's no medication. It comes with these little salt packets, which I highly recommend you use. The most important thing, whether you're using an antipot, whether you're using the squeeze bottle, is to make sure the water is distilled. Don't use tap water. And the reason is, is because this is going in your sinuses and uh, your sinuses are very close to your brain. They're close to your eyes. And we don't want any bacteria or amoebas or whatever could be in our tap water getting into our sinuses. And so uh, what, I, what I tell my patients is use distilled water or you can boil your tap water and then let it cool. Room temperature water is the best. Just don't use it straight from the faucet. It comes with these little salt packets. Uh, you can find recipes online to make your own. Uh, it's kind of a hassle. You have to use pickling salt. You can't use table salt because of the iodine. They're not super expensive. I would just recommend buying the buying the salt packs at the pharmacy. You can get 100 for like 5 bucks. So you fill up either your squeeze bottle or your neti pot with your distilled room temperature water. You throw in one of these salt packets. With the neti pot, you have to kind of lean back and over to the side. You put it in one side of your nose. It rinses out your sinuses and will come out the other side. With the squeeze bottle, you kind of lean over a sink. You squeeze half the bottle up one side of your nose. It will rinse out your sinuses and come out the other side. Uh, either way, it's super messy. I tell patients, do it in the shower. The shower steam kind of opens up your sinuses, and the neti pot can work a lot better. I'm a big fan. Highly recommend. And I have I no the- disclosures. I don't work for this guy. I just really believe in them. <laughs> I love the, I love the idea of doing it in the shower because let's be honest you look and feel ridiculous yes. doing this. Yeah. You do. Mm-hmm. I've done this thing and I have to say I should I should take Megan's advice because I have done it 
using tap water. And I know that's not the safe way to go because you can have, you know, bacteria and bugs and things getting into your sinuses. I have done that. But you do, you lean over your sink and you pour this thing into your nose and you feel ridiculous. But it's a great mm-hmm. thing to do. So uh, great tips there. Yeah. Adam, should we go to the listener Absolutely. calls or text? Yeah, game changer. I'm a fully on board with the neti pot too. Let me ask you this, Megan. You see the commercials for like the powered ones. Are those yeah. are, the, are those good too? Yes. Absolutely. I typically don't endorse them because they're obviously a little bit pricier. Um, And we've got a bunch of samples in my clinic of those squeeze bottles. But yes, if you want to take it to the next level, Adam, go for it. (laughs) That sounds like a radiator flush (laughs) here. (laughs) Here's a question. Now, this one is probably fairly common, especially uh, in the time we're in. uh, Very concerning. I've been dealing with moderate sinus congestion for a few days, have now lost taste and smell. I am vaccinated. Mm. No fever or cough. Is this common or could it possibly be COVID? That's a lot of concerns that people have nowadays. Yes. So that's what we're dealing with in this new pandemic age because uh, the first sign of sinusitis is loss of your sense of smell because of congestion and nasal congestion, obviously. So uh, first things first, even though you're vaccinated, we still know vaccinated uh, individuals can get COVID. So you've got to get tested. Uh, If you have uh, one to two negative tests and no known exposures and nobody in your house is positive, uh, then I think it's safe to say that it's probably sinusitis. I would first start, uh, you know, we start on the bottom of the ladder as far as treatment options. I would do your sinus irrigation two to three times a day or really as often as you like. Uh, I would get some Flonase on board. The thing to remember, uh, and this seems a little logical, but uh, you'd be surprised how how often I see it done the opposite way. If you're going to use your sinus irrigation and your Flonase, which I highly recommend, rinse out your nose first and then use your Flonase. If you do it in the opposite order, you will rinse out the Flonase and it won't work. So make sure you get your nose nose clean with your neti pot. Exactly. So get your nose nice and clean with your neti pot, get your Flonase in there, and I would start doing that right away. And then I'll, I'll reference to what I said earlier, which is wait about a week or two before you start seeking um, some antibiotics, which you might need. Um, uh, but it is tricky in this day and age with COVID having, uh, causing some of the same symptoms of sinusitis. I think as long as you, if you're vaccinated and you have a bunch of negative tests, I think it's probably safe to say that you've just got a sinus bug and hopefully you won't need to get to those antibiotics. Good deal. 651-461-9226. Here's a question. Frequent sneezing after eating a meal, what causes that? Mm, yeah. So that certainly sounds allergic to me. Um, I would see an allergist. Uh, and obviously uh, what we need to determine is whether it's the same meal every time. Is it, you know, every time you eat a banana, are you sneezing? If it's not, if it's really just anything, uh, then it just could be something in your in you know some type of chemical or supplement or additive that you're allergic to. Uh, we have a wonderful allergist at Hennepin Healthcare. I know you're good friends with Dr. John Sweet, Dr. Hilden, um, who can do some tests in order to figure out you know if you tell them if, if you tell them what your symptoms are. You know, I sneeze after every time I have this. He can certainly test you for a bunch of things and see if we can find a pattern there. It doesn't sound like sinusitis, uh, specifically just sneezing. You have to have those sort of other symptoms of nasal congestion, discolored nasal drainage, facial pain and pressure, that kind of thing. I will use that opportunity to um, plug our allergy people. You're right, Megan. We have Now we have two allergists. Um, we have Dr. John Sweet and Dr. Josh uh, Dorn. And John Sweet is uh, one of my med school classmates who has been on this show 
almost every year for 10 years. So uh, I like that idea that if you're having sneezing at, at, at particular times, and that's a great tip about foods. Maybe it's one of the foods you're eating. See an allergist, mm-hmm. and you can, you can go to hennepinhealthcare.org and look up our allergist and make an appointment. And uh, I'll also say, in addition to Dr. Sweet and Dr. Dorn, we also have Libby Roth, who's a nurse practitioner and also fantastic. Your text, 651-461-9226, we'll keep with the sneezing theme here, is frequent and multiple sneezing common as one ages. I usually have at least five sneezes in a row. I remember my grandpa did, too. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. I get asked that question a lot. There's really no data, to my knowledge, that indicates... Uh, age and sneezing, but uh, our noses can get more sensitive as we get older to certain things. You can certainly develop some allergies as we get older. Things change in our environment. So it might not technically be the age of the person, um, but I still think it's a good chance to go see the allergist. I would try an antihistamine if your doctor says it's safe and doesn't interact with any of your other medications. And I'll go back to my neti pot. You know, let's just rinse out the nose really well on a daily basis. Don't even give your body a chance to react to whatever it is that's making it sneeze. You know, that that whole thing about the, the grandfather sneezing, my grandpa, Dayton Bradley, my mom's dad, could sneeze like a world champion, and I can still remember it to this day. Scare everybody, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I'm remembering it at this very moment. So, yeah. But he probably wasn't that old. You know, you always think your grandpa's like 75 years old, and he was probably 40. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a good uh, – but a lot of us can remember our grandparents and their sneezing. Yeah. I usually – mine come three in a row. I get three, like the hat trick. I do, too. Sneezing I get hat three, trick. too. I get three every time. Never fails. It's weird. Uh, 7.44, it's Healthy Matters, uh, Hennepin Healthcare, Dr. David Hilden and Megan McCoy. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. Uh, Nancy, let's hold uh, Nancy for after the break. We'll start with her and get to your text questions here on uh, Healthy Matters, 7.45 on a Sunday morning. Good morning on WCCO. Morning. I have a comment about someone telling me a while back about using a pressure point I don't know if I can explain this, but it's the top of your shoulders just to the back of the very top to put a pressure point on, on that area. And it, it's almost instant relief, temporary, but it's, it works. <laughs> have you heard of that? Megan, have you heard of that? You know, Nancy, I, I have heard of uh, different pressure points causing release in the sinuses, uh, and they're mostly just anecdotal from patients telling me they went to an uh, acupuncturist or a massage therapist. I've spoken to the acupuncturists who are APPs at Hennepin um, about this specifically, and they fully endorse it. Um, there's no sort of evidence-based science behind it. However, because it works for a lot of people, I'm not opposed to it. Um, it's not something that I routinely recommend to patients just because of the lack of, of data and science and because it doesn't work 100% of the time. But I'm certainly never going to steer anybody away from it for any reason. So uh, if you're one of those lucky people that it actually works uh, with pressure points, uh, go for it. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Nancy. You've got two texts right in a row from two different people wondering about CPAP machines and if they cause sinus problems. Yeah, great questions. So CPAP machines, for those of you who don't know, um, are these contraptions that you wear at night if you have obstructive sleep apnea, meaning that your oxygen levels drop while you sleep. Uh, usually snoring is, a, is a, the first sign of that. 
Um, and what a CPAP, continuous positive airway pressure machine, does is it basically forces air uh, and oxygen into your body so that your oxygen levels stay elevated. Um, this contraption goes over your nose uh, or can go over your whole nose and mouth. Um, it can not necessarily lead to sinusitis, but if you have a dirty machine, if you're not cleaning it regularly and bacteria and debris get stuck in those hoses and the tubes that then is getting pushed into your nose, it certainly can cause you problems with your sinuses. So my biggest recommendation is to make sure that you're cleaning that machine regularly. I also recommend that you get uh, the option to put humidification on it. Most of them come with that already, but if you don't, make sure that your CPAP is humidified because dry air can lead to sinusitis. I have a question here about eucalyptus. Is eucalyptus good for my sinuses? <laughs> so uh, eucalyptus, uh, and I assume what this caller is talking about is uh, essential oil eucalyptus, um, diffused into the air, yes, has been shown, again, not specifically data-backed, uh, but has been shown to increase motility of mucus in the sinuses. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, it's not, again, not something that I recommend regularly because it doesn't work 100% of the time. Um, but any sort of non-medicinal treatment that helps, I'm all for. So what do you do, Megan? You, you know, first of all, I wonder if it smells good, but do you just like put it, it in, a, in a diffuser thing or what do you do? Yeah, yeah. so you can buy um, eucalyptus. So eucalyptus, rose oil, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, uh, lemon and sage. These are all sort of strong smelling essential oils. My sister-in-law is huge into the essential oils, and I uh, hope that she's listening because she could probably weigh in more than I could on this topic. Um, but these, these are all essential oils that have been shown to just increase flow of mucus and open up the sinuses, and, and there's really no downside to it. So uh, you just pop a couple drops in your diffuser, get them going throughout your house, and you might notice a difference. Adam, do we have time for one more sure. real quick one? And then I'm going to tell people how to get in touch with Megan in, in her clinic. Very good. Uh, Jay from St. Paul says he lives in an older home. What are symptoms of sinus concerns related to black mold exposure? Yeah, so black mold uh, can be a problem. Fortunately, it's not super common, but it, it's really hard to tell the difference between uh, a fungal sinusitis and a bacterial sinusitis because the symptoms are the same. What's different is how it looks. We use a small camera called an endoscope to look inside of the sinuses. If you come see me or any of my colleagues in the ENT department with sinus complaints, you have bought yourself one of these cameras inside of the nose so that we can go in and take a good look around at your sinuses. And with, with a fungal sinusitis, we will often see black spores uh, in the sinuses or you'll see something called a fungal ball in the sinuses. The problem with that, uh, if you have it, is we can't treat it with antibiotics. It's not bacterial. It's fungal. Uh, and really the only way to get rid of it is with sinus surgery. So it is curable. Um, it is a problem if you are immunocompromised. And that's a big word that essentially means if your immune system isn't functioning normally, like if you have diabetes or HIV or other things, uh, fungal sinusitis can be a big problem. It's considered one of the few ENT emergencies. So if you have symptoms of sinusitis, again, nasal congestion, nasal drainage, facial pressure, uh, you definitely should come and see us. And, and if there is concern for black mold, that's something we can look for. 
So we've been talking to Megan McCoy. She's a physician assistant and director of the Advanced Practice uh, Center at Hennepin Healthcare. She is an ENT specialist. Megan, in our last 30 seconds, how can they get a hold of you? And they can go to hennepinhealthcare.org and get into the clinic. But you see kids and you do surgeries as well. Your group does. Yeah, yep. So you can call uh, the scheduling line, which is 612-873-6963. Uh, you can send a message to your primary care provider asking for a referral. We don't require referrals to be seen in our clinic. Um, and we see children. We see uh, all ages. We do surgery. We have facial plastics. We do ears. We do tonsils. We do it all. And I you do uh, it all. With an exceptional, yep. I work with an exceptional group of physicians and another physician assistant. All right. Thanks, Dr. Hilton. Healthy Matters on CCO.